This podcast episode is brought to you by Paleo Valley's Organic Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Now, we all know that many olive oils are cut with seed oils or that they are rancid, and so it's not always easiest to find a quality and properly sourced olive oil. Yes, in case you didn't know, many store bought olive oils are diluted or blended, compromising both taste and quality, and may even cause rancidity. I'm really glad that Paleo Valley's extra virgin olive oil remains pure and unadulterated, sourced from a single organic valley in Greece. Paleo Valley ensures freshness and nutrient content by packaging their olive oil in dark glass bottles. At a certain point, I stopped using extra virgin olive oil, but once our practice started working with people with chronic inflammatory response syndrome or SIRS, we started recommending it for the reduction of TGF beta 1. It is an immune system marker that shows inflammation both for COVID 19, SIRS, and actually many other illnesses. So if your TGF beta 1 is high, you may want to try incorporating a little bit of extra virgin olive oil. Make sure to check it out. It comes in a two pack package. And remember, All Paleo Valley products are guaranteed with a money back guarantee. Go to paleovalley.com slash nwj to get 15% off your order. Thanks for supporting companies that support this podcast. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. Alright, guys, so in this episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Laura Spath. For those of you that don't know her, she's pretty active on Instagram as well as YouTube. You guys can go check her out. I'll have her information in the notes. But she、um, has had so much healing through the carnivore diet, and she's had also a 120 pound weight loss. So I look forward to you guys hearing our QA of how she has healed from the carnivore diet. Judy from Nutrition with Judy, and today I have the pleasure of having Laura Spath with me. So, I'd love to just introduce,、um, have Laura introduce herself and have her share her carnivore story with you guys. All right. Hi, Laura. Hi. I'm so excited to talk to you. <laughs> Same. I,、um, you know, I've seen your story and it's、uh, pretty incredible. And,、uh, you know, I know、um, some of it's the weight loss journey, but I really wanted. You know, my followers to really hear your story and、uh, just your journey with your husband, as well as、mm-hmm. uh, what you've been feeding your children. So, yeah, if you don't mind just kind of sharing a little bit about your story and your journey. Yeah, sounds good.、Um, I have, I've really always been heavier. I kind of struggle with my weight since、um, really high school or college, mostly kind of took off in college. But I grew up with no junk food whatsoever. I, you know, I lived in a very rural community. We had you know, homemade bread, lots of casseroles, meat and potatoes.、Right. We, grew, we had a garden and we actually like, raised our we had a vegetable patch every year. And a lot of the meat that we ate was given to us by local farmers. So, a lot of that good stuff, but then also lots of the grains. And、um, really was pretty healthy, active kid at that point. And、okay. um, I, I haven't really talked about this part of it before, but I think my family kind of went through some trauma.、Uh, I had a brother that passed. and My, my mom and I, and all of us really gained a lot of weight after that. And I think that's kind of where the emotional eating started. Sure. When, when was this? I was 11. Oh, wow. And yeah, so it kind of that was up until then, you know, and then really moving past that was when over time, I think it was when I just had learned kind of through the people around me. That's what happens when you go through this traumatic situation and people bring you food. And that, Was just how people comforted our family during that time. And we had a, you know, it was a small community. So there were so many people who knew us and knew our family and, and what we were going through. So I think that just like comforting stress and emotions with food was something that I had started to learn over time. Right, right. As, I mean, I think as most of us do.、Um, and so and then by the also- time. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, no, and that's like right before you also go through your puberty stage, which、yes. is another time that you'll gain weight. So it's pretty interesting that sort of all happened at one time. So it's sort of like the perfect storm to actually gain weight.、Um, so,、right. I mean, when I think back to my childhood, I loved my childhood. We didn't have TV, it was a very simple life. And really,、right. like, you know, we got a box of sugar cereal on our birthday, and that was like a fancy、oh. birthday treat. You know, that was our cool junk food for the year. Like, we didn't have. Any of that stuff. And so 
you know, I started this, like, I didn't even realize, you know, that's, that's something you look back in your childhood mm-hmm. and you realize this is likely when I started, you know, learning about emotional eating or eating for comfort. Right. Um, and then, like you said, puberty, going through high school, which is always traumatic. <laughs> and right. then all of those same behaviors I had learned, then I went to college mm-hmm. and was introduced to like junk food right. and boxed meals and fast food and soda and, you know, being able to stop at a gas station for breakfast every morning or, you know, all those terrible things that you can have. And so not only that, but with the emotional eating that I had already incorporated that on top of it, then really just, I started really gaining weight uh, at that point. And I think like most people, I acknowledge it like, Hey, I'm heavier than I used to be. So I would kind of go on these yo-yo diets um, Mm -hmm. at the time. And I was really good at losing weight. I've always been actually like, this sounds odd, but like, I've always been able to lose weight. I just have never been able to keep it off before. Um, And I I think that's a lot of people, the yo-yo dieting. So, you know, I think it's that whole, you first cut your calories and you're motivated to lose weight. And then over time, um, especially if the diet isn't nutrient dense, then you'll probably gain it back because it's just hard to maintain like a restricted calorie diet. So that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And especially when, you know, losing 20 pounds, especially when you're pretty heavy goes really quickly. And so usually my 20 pound, uh, celebration was a cheat day. And then I would really never be able to get back on track after that. So I went through this cycle for years of like lose 20 pounds, gain 30, lose 30, gain 35, you know, just up and down constantly um, gaining and losing. I was always in this period of like mass gain or or loss. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Um, And then I graduated college and I um, kind of moved out from there and I was Probably, I mean, by the time I graduated college, I was probably around like 220 pounds. Okay. And and um, just slowly, I think, steadily gained more over time. Mm-hmm. And I was living in the Midwest at the time, moved across the country to Arizona, kind of mm-hmm. um, to start with my job, had moved me across the country and continued to gain weight. And once I was here, some people that I knew um, recommended watching Forks Over Knives. So uh. I watched that movie and like everybody else believed it that you saw people in there getting healthy and you know I said okay let's try that for a while so just purely for weight loss purposes and health purposes Mm -hmm. we tried a a vegan diet at the time and I mean I lost 50 pounds it worked when you're eating fast food and you know there was a Dairy Queen a half mile from my house and I spent a summer getting a blizzard every single day. So when you cut that out, you definitely lose lose weight weight. and it's not that hard to lose weight. So I definitely lost weight doing a vegan diet. Um, And I think most people that do that for the first six months are feeling really fantastic. But after that, I think is when things start to decline health wise. Right. Uh, right. And for me, that's too, when they did, you know, like I started my hair started falling out. Um, and which my hair definitely responds to any kind of traumatic loss and, and starts falling out, but, and just feeling a lot of digestive issues, um, sure. that I had. And so kind of ate a steak and then added back in all the other junk food and stuff as well too, and kind of gained all that back again. Okay. Um, that when I finished that vegan diet was like around seven, uh, eight years ago. Oh, okay. And then, um, pretty soon after that, I met my husband and we both were, heavier at that time. I had gained it all back. I was probably around 220 pounds again. Um, we got married, got pregnant and I gained quite a bit of weight with my daughter and was probably around like 260 when I had her. Okay. Um, and I actually today, a timeline photo came up on Facebook. Like it reminded me that five years ago today, Mm -hmm. I was all excited because I had won a weight loss competition at work and I had lost 45 pounds in uh, 90 days doing like pretty calorie restrictive and low carb combined. Okay. Um, And I was so excited and I posted, I've talked about this incident before, but it it was five years ago today Mm -hmm. where I was so happy. I lost 45 pounds. I won this competition and all this money that we had put in a pool and I went out and got a cheesesteak and French fries (laughs) and celebrated. (laughs) So It's interesting how a lot of people, um, even people that do keto, they celebrate their birthdays or they celebrate moments yeah. with junk food. It's pretty interesting. I, I yeah. 
Yeah, but, I yeah. think that has been the one of the biggest things that I've had to work on. But um, so again, never went back to eating well again, gained all that weight back again, plus some um, got pregnant with my son okay. um, and had my son and he's three now. And so when I went into labor with him, I was around like 255 okay. uh, again. And people always ask too, I'm five, eight. So that's a, you know, it's, it's heavy oh. even for, for no matter what, how tall you are. <laughs> Um, and then after my son, I just decided, you know, like when I had been lost those 45 pounds with, after my daughter, I was breastfeeding and, and that calorie restriction was really hard. And I ended up, you know, she, I was still able to nurse, but she really, I think wasn't getting a strong enough flow. It really affected my, um, milk supply. And so I was like, ended up exclusively pumping her for the last eight months. Oh, wow. And that is terrible. (laughs) Yeah, I actually uh, exclusively breastfed my first child too. And that um, I think that um, was part of my post. Yeah, pumping. So, um, so I would pump, I think, every two to three hours Mm -hmm. every day and uh, around the clock. And I think that contributed to my postpartum depression, because I was also vegetarian then too. Yes. Okay. I agree. I think, I think it's similar. Like we, I just wasn't eating enough fat and yeah. enough nutrient dense food at the time, to be honest. And, um, I think not, breastfeeding is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life and yeah. pumping on top of that, just exclusively pumping is yeah. even crazier. Yeah. I mean, um, pumping doesn't, um, the machines like since I, so I exclusively breastfeed my youngest right now, mm-hmm. but I pumped with my oldest and then, I mean, now I'm carnivore, but back then I was vegetarian. And so, one, I, I would pump like one side just for 40 minutes sometimes. Yeah. And I mean, just to get maybe six to eight ounces. And I was lucky mm-hmm. to get that. But I mean, as soon as I got mastitis and I took antibiotics, um, that wiped me out. Like literally I had a breakdown yeah. and that was the tipping point of my um, depression. And so I realized, I mean, with breastfeeding, which is so hard already to pump. Yeah lack of sleep, and then to be on a horrible diet um, without any fat and meat. It's just, yeah, I think when you breastfeed, it really takes a toll on your body and it mm-hmm. kind of shows your health. So I completely right. understand. It. Yeah. yeah. So by the time I had my son, I was like, all that stress, I can't handle exclusively pumping another kid. I yeah. want to make sure I breastfeed. And then unfortunately, I thought, well, I'm not even going to try to lose weight this time. Okay. Because I want to make sure I have enough milk. So that must mean I need to eat a lot of ice cream or a lot of like, you know, I mean, I would try to be healthy, I guess I would eat chicken and rice and vegetables and, um, you know, essentially like what you thought you were supposed to, but it usually ended up having some sort of sweets or sugar carbs, obviously it was still pretty high carb. Right. Um, Right. And that was kind of my excuse. But along those same lines, my husband found out he was uh, type two diabetic and So he was on metformin. Uh, he also had sleep apnea. Yeah. He was kind of, he was gaining and losing with me pretty cyclically. We both went through the same cycles. You know, he would lose when I lose and then we would gain together and kind mm-hmm. of go up and down yeah. together. Um, and then right around the time that my son was going to turn two, I was realized, I went to the doctor and I got a scale and it said 263. Okay. And I realized that's more than I weighed at the hospital, like when I went into labor with them. Wow. Okay. And so that was two years later, you know, that was kind of a a wake up call for me. And um, so that's when I started keto again. Like I had always had success before with, I knew I had to cut out sugar, especially from my husband being diabetic. We knew that sugar was bad. And so we would cut out the carbs and the breads. And so in March of 2018, we started keto again and really just, this time it was, we kind of did a lot more research this time. I was a lot okay. more determined. I was more emotionally invested into it, I think, this time. Sure. And really quickly this time we cut out the Quest bars. We cut out the low-carb tortillas. We cut out all the keto foods and the keto hacks. And we're pretty quickly down to just like whole foods. And that made a big difference, I think, right. in us. In the ease of it, the expense mm-hmm. of it is cut down when you cut out all those products. And you know, how you feel on it made such a big difference. And then pretty quickly, um, you know, we discovered carnivore through the Sean Baker, Joe Rogan, actually Jordan Peterson. We, we both are big Jordan Peterson fans. And so we found carnivore through those channels and 
kind of just decided to give it a try and we're shocked at how well it worked and how good we felt uh, overall. So it was, you know, it's been really amazing for us. Sure. So how long have you been carnivore now, would you say? So 18 months ago was when we started the started keto. And then right. I would say it's been about probably just over a year that it's been strict carnivore. Okay. Um, so from March to, you know, end of July, around July probably was the keto and slowly okay. transitioning, cutting out more and more foods as we went. By June and July, it was strictly meat and a little bit of vegetables Sure. Academia nuts, and then cutting out all those things until um, right around now. It's been it's been about officially a year. It was a little more gradual, so it's hard to say an exact right. right. Okay, gotcha. And then when would you say? Um, I'm 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 sure you've lost a little bit of weight when you started in March, but yeah. uh, when would you say that you noticed significant results off of carnivore? And what were those results? So the weight loss, obviously, you know, when you're that heavy and you're cutting out that much junk, losing those first 20 or 30 pounds with just consistency is not as, you know, was great. But then I would always hit stalls in previously. And Mm -hmm. this time switching to carnivore helped me to kind of break those stalls and continue to lose more than I really had ever thought was possible in a healthy and be at a healthy um, body percentage. Sure. Um, But also I have always had digestive issues. Okay. Even last summer when we were still doing keto, I was going to see like a colorectal specialist and looking Uh at having surgery on repairing some things that were going on in my colon and uh, or my my intestines. Right. To not be graphic, but I was looking at having surgeries and Mm -hmm. trying to repair some of that damage that I had attributed to pregnancies or just over years and years of being constipated. And even with keto, I was still experiencing a lot of those issues and was during that time seeing that. And the minute that I went strict beef and cut out all of the vegetables and the nuts, sure, all of those symptoms went away. Wow. And I canceled, I had a surgery scheduled that I canceled. Wow. Um, and a lot of those digestive bowel issues completely have been um, gone since then. How long into carnivore did you start feeling those, that healing power? I mean, I would say within two weeks, the constipation was, was completely gone. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then just having more healing, I would say within you know a month, I noticed a major difference really for the first time in my life. I had had relief from a lot of those, that pain and those problems. Right. Okay. And so then, uh, go ahead. Just a lot of same thing too. Like a lot of skin issues were cleared up that I had always dealt with. Um, even when being right. keto, I had a lot of, a lot of issues with my skin. Uh, as Are well. you talking about like eczema and dermatitis or? I mean, even something as simple as acne, like I never yeah. had acne as a child. And then I went to hit my twenties, which is obviously when your diet, which you don't relate to diet, but like I had like this major acne. I have scars on my face mm-hmm. from having such terrible acne, but also even being keto, I would get kind of like rashes on my stomach, on my, from my fat folds and sweat oh, and heat okay. and just get a lot of um, just deal with a lot of rashes on my skin, um, and breakouts from obviously I think just from the food that I was eating and that I didn't realize at the time. Yeah, it's interesting. So I did keto for almost a year and then I went carnivore, but I remember there was a transition. So I did carnivore for a while and then I didn't eat any carbs. And then I think I ate some nuts, maybe a little bit of chocolate over the holidays. And then Mm -hmm. I don't really have skin issues either. And then bam, just like that, I started getting like dry skin, like had some acne and it was, it's really amazing how much your body, especially when you stop eating those foods, it'll react when you start eating those foods again. Um, How quickly did you see skin healing? Because I actually get a lot of questions like, oh, I have um, like eczema or skin rashes or even the keto flu and I have all these skin irritations and it's not going away really quickly. And so I get mm-hmm. questions of like, how quickly did you see that turnaround? So I, I think that took a little longer and it's yeah. almost like it got worse before it got better. Yeah. Um, and that was more like probably around two to three months that it took for that to really start clearing up. And it's one of those things that you don't realize that it's better until all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, I don't, I haven't had a pimple in it. I don't, where's this rash that I've had forever or I haven't needed to buy that medication in a really long time or that cream. So, um, but that probably took more like two or three months. Okay. Okay. That's good to hear. Um, 
So what what do you think allows you to stick to carnivore? Like what is the differentiating factor that allows you to stick to carnivore versus keto versus all those other diets you had? Hey guys, just to let you know, my Carnivore Cure book is back in stock. For nine months, it was out of print and used prices were up to $300. Make sure to get your copy today that has over 200 colored tables and graphics and over 400 pages of meaty goodness. We have a limited supply, so get your copy today on Amazon.com. And if you can leave a review, I'd be super grateful. Uh, I think there's a few things, but a lot of it is just the way that I feel. It helps, obviously, when you feel so good. You're not hungry. You know, I think that's one of the first things that you have to do to be successful is to stop being hungry all the time. Yeah. And that has helped. But I know you've talked a lot before about this, too, but I about moderators versus abstainers. Yes. Um, And I think most of us that are carnivores are abstainers. And for me, that is something I have realized more in the last six months than ever before. Um, Yeah that having any kind of treat, whether it's a keto treat or not, I can't have a keto cookie or a regular cookie. I would have a box of them. And so, um, you know, I'm not somebody who could just have a handful of macadamia nuts or one, you know, one serving size of macadamia nuts is a quarter cup. And I can hold more than a quarter cup (laughs) in my hand. And I don't think I've even ever had a handful. Yeah, no, I I totally understand. And just for those uh, following, I'll really briefly mention what um, abstainers versus moderators are, but Gretchen Rubin has a book and she basically talks about how abstainers, um, and it's really not just only about food, but mm-hmm. typically it's about any sort of addiction. And so there are types of people that are abstainers where they can abstain fully and they um, thrive. So for us carnivores, when we don't eat the vegetables or any sort of carbs, we it is so much easier to do that than to um, be moderators. So have just 1%. And the thing is, the reality is that most of America and all of the dietitians, they usually recommend to moderate. So they right. say you should be able to have everything, a little bit of everything, and that's the best diet. But I think based on your personality type, that may not be true. And so I think a tendency that we find in the carnivore community is that we actually do better as abstainers. And so if we completely abstain from a food group, we actually can thrive. And so that's what Laura is talking about. And there was in one of the Facebook uh, carnivore groups that I follow uh, or zero carb groups that I'm in, uh, somebody made a comment that has resonated with me immensely that says um, somebody was asking, like, how many of you guys do 90 percent zero carb? And her response was 90 percent zero carb is excruciating. 100 percent is so much easier and it's so much more than 10 percent more results. And that reading that and I screenshot it and I say it to myself anytime I'm feeling weak, I just tell myself that 90% is impossible. You are strong with 100% and it's so much more beneficial mentally and physically for me. Yeah, absolutely. For me, um, when I did keto, I lost um, a little bit of the baby weight from my second child. Mm -hmm. And then Um, But I noticed, like, uh, I think that 5% allowance of carbs, it's like it would trigger this constant Mm -hmm. sort of need for sugar, especially when there there was added stress, right? So that's when I tried carnivore, and I was just going to do it for a week or two, just just because. And then it stuck because, like you said, I mean, abstaining, it makes it super easy. There's no question of well, I haven't hit my 5%, so I could eat a little bit of that. Like, you don't have to have that anxiety or that emotional tie to food. So it's amazing. Um, But with that said, so I want to transition the conversation to fasting a little bit. So uh, there are a lot of of the old-timer carnivores that have been doing it for 5, 10, 15 years. Um, They don't necessarily believe in intermittent or extended fasting. They believe either you're feasting or you're not feasting. And so I know that you practice fasting, and I'm a – I'm frankly a, a firm believer in fasting. So I just wanted your take on uh, why why do you fast and, um, you know, what is your protocol on fasting? For me, it started for weight loss and healing. I know that my husband had was looking, reversing his type 2 diabetes and has been able to do that successfully. But a lot of that has been with fasting. Okay. Um, he read and learned a lot from Jason, Dr. Jason Fung about normalizing your blood sugar and your insulin levels with type 2 diabetes and using fasting for that. So that's kind of where we started. We okay. realized 
the weight loss benefits of it, but also just the healing and things like that, that we needed to do. And then I also realized, and this is where the borderline comes in, right? Where the intent, I'm very clear about the intentions of why you're fasting, because it does help me mentally in the sense that from somebody who does has a history of like overeating or somebody who emotionally eats, it helps me to regulate when I'm eating and make sure that I don't just start eating for an emotional reason. Sure. Um, and that this is the scheduled meal time that you've given yourself and you can eat and feel full and feel satisfied in this meal time. But if it's seven o'clock at night and you're feeling stressed, you, I know that I'm, I can't eat then that's that restriction that I'm good at. And I know I can't eat then and I don't let myself have that emotional, you know, food episode right. um, outside of that eating window. Okay. And so part of that was what it helped me with kind of the avoid emotional eating was really setting those strict food boundaries or time, okay. time windows. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I did that too. So I noticed that, um, so I have a tendency to, um, I struggled with the eating disorder. And so I noticed my binging would always be at night. And I think it's because, you know, we only have a, as humans, we only have a finite amount of, you know, ability to restrain and just that mental ability. And so um, I noticed when I started doing intermittent fasting and I cut the window at night, it's like, even if I had the desire, oh, I'm just going to snack a little bit, that mm -hmm. just removing all of that helped me a lot with um, the binging tendency. So I fully understand that. Do you extended fast? And so when I say extended, I guess anything more than 24 hours. I have quite a bit in through this okay. journey. Um, in the last year, twice I've done like a longer six uh, once a six day fast and once okay. a seven day fast. Okay. How and was those that? Were really, those were good. The first time it was purely weight loss related. Honestly, okay. it was kind of like, I'm going to do this snake diet and, you know, just see how it goes. Uh -huh. Um, and the second time was more recently when I was actually not looking for, you know, a lot of weight loss, but okay. I was looking just to see kind of, I'm looking at the autophagy benefits of sure. healing my skin, seeing what else, seeing how my body would react to it. And it wasn't a, dogmatic. I'm going to go for seven days, no matter what it was. Okay. a. That's my goal. Let's see how I feel. And if sure. I can go that long. Um, and surprisingly, even without, you know, looking for weight loss, there was a little, you know, water weight and inflammation that I lost. But for the most part, you know, I really didn't lose a ton of weight during that time. Um, which is, you know, what I wasn't looking for really. During sure. that time. So a, a question I have for you about that is um, I noticed um, and I've been getting several questions about this. So I'm curious about your take. Um, there are some people that uh, they extended fast for a lot and then they will eat again. And so mm -hmm. what they noticed is the day before the meal before their extended fast, they have this tendency to overeat. Um, have you experienced that at all? Do you have and I personally, I remember there was this one fast that I was about to do. And then I remember feeling a little bit of anxiety and I started eating more than I would have mm -hmm. normally have had I known that I wasn't going to fast. So have you experienced that? And then how do you sort of mitigate overeating and sort of like over, you know, undoing what you've done during the fast? Yeah, I mean, I think this most recent seven days was harder because I, we started off, we went to Fogo to Chow before the seven days started. So okay. I definitely overate before we started. Um, and then I think I made the mistake when we finished, I wish I would have just had a meal and moved on. But I tried to like have a lot of little meals to ease myself back into food. Oh, okay. And unfortunately, that kind of triggered all of my snacking. And it made it very hard for me to get back into the routine of just one meal a day after that. And so okay. I kind of went through a period for about a week after that fast where I just was like munching. It was all carnivore foods, but I sure, definitely sure. was like overeating and munching. Um, I don't think that was as much about the fast, but more about the permission that I gave myself to snack. And that kind okay. of then was really hard for me to reel that back in again. Okay. So it just, over time though, you were able to sort of stop the snacking and go yeah. back. To, okay. I just okay. kind of had to like break that cycle and go back to that one meal uh, a day. And that's where same thing too, up until recently, this whole time, I've been doing um, a 48 hour fast, probably for the last year, I've been doing a 48 hour fast oh, okay. once a week, at least if not a 72 hour fast, usually. Okay. Um, so for the majority of my journey so far, I would do in, in seven days, I would eat five, maybe six, you know, big meals. Okay. Week, and that was, and that was it.
Okay, gotcha. Um, in with fasting, have you? Um, so a lot of people fast to also, you know, have the digestive system rest and mm -hmm. to do gut healing. Um, have you healed any of your? I mean, I know you already mentioned that you had digestive issues and that mm -hmm. sort of healed with carnivore. Do you feel that some of that has healed even more with uh, fasting? I think so. I think that. Um... I guess it's harder for me to like pinpoint a lot of the things yeah. that were, I just noticed that things are so much more predictable and healthy and <laughs> you're glowing. I know. I, uh, I, like, I was like, oh, no, it's so good. Um, it's like a, you know, pop star light. Um, but wow. I think a lot of it is, you know, still just learn, just not realizing, like I didn't realize that this is how good digestion is supposed yeah. to be and how easy it is and how um, predictable it can be. And so that has been nice, especially with one meal a day, like things are very predictable. Okay. Gotcha. You know, it's been, it's been nice. Yeah. One of the things I always hear from people is I didn't, you know, on carnivore, I have no gas, you know, everyone says yes. don't have a toot at all. And it's, um, it's really interesting because I mean, we just think it's normal to have like we burp or we, you know, we belch or we release gas after, but it's actually not normal. It's a sign that right. something's going wrong in your digestive system. So it's pretty right. interesting. Yeah, um, and that's my husband. I uh, I'm grateful that my husband is on carnivore for those reasons too. Yeah. <laughs> and he's he's grateful that I am as well. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because every once in a while, you know, we'll have like we'll go out and have brisket, and I know they use like a little bit of sugar on the rub. And I used to be really strict, and I'm like, I can't touch if there's any bit of sugar, it'll trigger me, and so I wouldn't even eat those places. But now, like, I'll have a little bit. I'll take off some of the rub, but then um, it's like it it's um, soon soon after I'll like have a toot or something, and yeah. it's like, oops, there's the sugar, there's a little yes. bit of carbs. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's funny. Um, do you guys take any supplements, um, any digestive aids or any supplements since you're on carnivore? We haven't at all. Um, this We started off, I think, you know, a year and a half ago taking handfuls of apple cider vinegar and the magnesium oh. and potassium and the, you know, um, so no vitamins and um, salt and all that kind of stuff. And just over time, slowly just like stopped taking it and stopped taking it and realized that it we weren't needing anything. Okay. Um, neither one of us takes anything right now. I have been looking in honestly recently, um, just within the last week have been looking at potentially starting to take like a krill oil for omega threes or, oh, okay. um, looking at some kind of DHEA or something along those lines. Just, I've stopped doing as much fasting as I was doing and just trying okay. to, I think, give my body a break a little bit. And so wondering, now that I'm at this point, is it necessary to take supplements? And we're kind of revisiting that conversation. So I'm not quite sure yet what that looks like. Sure. So what, uh, I mean, would you consider take eating more fatty fish? So I know that, you know, like salmon and salmon roe has a lot of um, omega-3s and DHEA. Yeah. It's hard. Like are those, those are not foods that are uh, in your favorite uh, yeah. appetizing to me. And so I think that it is definitely, it's a, I'm at a point now where I'm deciding like, is that necessary or not, right? I've been sure. pretty pretty strict beef only for the last year and a half and okay. it's been amazing. And I don't okay. know, you know, I'm not one to say that that's the only way to do things, but I also am open to new ideas and needing other things. And so I kind of am at a place right now where I'm trying to get my hormones a little more consistent and see what that looks like. And I'm revisiting sure the idea of potentially needing to some other things, but I'm not really sure what that looks like yet. If that makes sure. Sense. As a nutritional, nutritional therapist, I always recommend, um, you know, it's important to get certain nutrients, but I always say go with how you feel. Obviously when you do blood yeah. work, um, that's a snapshot in time. And so if there's any wonky numbers, then obviously look into why that is. But right. um, I mean, if you eat meat only and not really a lot of fish um, and you feel well, then I, you know, I don't think you should worry too much as long as all the blood work numbers are relatively mm -hmm. okay. Um, it obviously doesn't hurt to add in other foods. So, I mean, I try to play the safe bet with my kids too and, you know, add other mm -hmm. food, even though I crave only beef, to be honest. Um, so I get what you're saying. But yeah, I mean, you will only know your body best. And so, yeah, definitely um, experiment and do what works for you. But always trust your body and so if you add supplements and you don't feel as well maybe it's not the right answer so but i would i rec definitely recommend trust 
yourself and how you feel. And that's probably yeah. the right answer. As long as your numbers, again, like any blood work numbers, aren't too wonky. So Yeah, and that's what I think in the last two weeks, I've been giving a really strong effort to eat more fat and to um, eat twice a day. It was hard. I tried for a while ago, a couple months ago, to do lunch and dinner. And dinner, I just... Dinner is hard for me because it makes me want to emotion. It makes me want to snack all night, and it's hard for me to turn that off when I sure. get home from work. And so that's always been hard. It's also very hectic, and our evenings are unpredictable. And so gotcha. it's harder for me to like cook a steak and have that time to do that. So um, I've been doing breakfast and lunch for about two weeks now, and trying to. I mean, it's hard. I I have never been in maintenance mode before in my life, oh, and boy. I have to keep reminding myself that you're still not trying to lose 120 pounds. Um, you are you are maintaining at this point. You have to start eating a little more to give your body more fuel because you're not trying to you right. know, use as much of your own body fat. So sure. I have been making that strong effort to up my fat percentage um, and eat more, to eat two meals a day. Um, I think it's still a little early for me to tell how I feel about that, but okay. um, that's yeah, kind of where I've been the last realize, I didn't realize you were... Um, I didn't realize you were changing because I know that you were on one meal a day for a long time. Yeah, and so, mm -hmm. Okay. So wh why are you switching? Is it just to be, is it because you're in maintenance mode? Yeah. And I think like, I'm definitely trying to balance out some hormones a little bit. And okay. I think that some of the, to get a little more consistency with my cycle, to be honest, okay. um, I have, I had some blood work done and I had two weeks apart. I had some blood work done and got two very different readings on hormone oh, numbers. Okay. And so they're different enough that it's like you said, they are a snapshot in time, but it's mm -hmm. definitely making me want to, um, see, I think my body, I, I believe in fasting tremendously. And I think it's very important and very healing, but when you've been doing it so much for a, over a year, as mm -hmm. I have been, I think it's time to, to give my body a little bit of break on that. Sure. Um, so as of, very recently, in the last two weeks, I've quit doing the 48-hour fasts, and okay. I'm trying to eat um, two meals a day within a fairly short window. You know, I'm eating about 6 and 11, so, you know, that's, and then that's about it for the day. So, really, between 6 and noon is the only time that I'm, that I'm eating. Um, it helps me not snack and emotionally eat at night, and then it still okay. is, hopefully, we're going to see what happens. You know, I'll get my blood work done again in a couple months and compare, but... Um, and see what that does to kind of help normalize things a little bit. Okay. And then your meals, um, how, because I, it's funny because my story is somewhat similar to yours. So I did mm -hmm. one meal a day for eight months, but then I noticed like I was gaining a little bit of weight and, um, and then I noticed I, I think there were days where it wasn't super emotional, but then I just noticed like, oh, I know that my window's closing. So then I would just keep eating and mm -hmm. snacking. <laughs> like I would eat pork rinds and then, whoa, it's like the whole bag is gone, you know, that type yeah. of thing. And I mean, it's, you know, when you stay carnivore, you're not going to really overeat and, you know, be like gain all right. this weight. But still, you notice those tendencies, right? And so that's when I was like, you know, I think even for my hormones um, and my adrenals, maybe it's better to go um, two meals a day. And then I started to try to transition to two meals a day. And it's, it hasn't been fully successful. Like I noticed I'll have like one big meal and then I'm like, Oh crap, I ate too much. And so my next meal, I'll try to eat less. Um, and so, yeah, I'm curious, like how has it been to sort of break your meals into two after eating one for so long? And then do you snack in between those two meals? Cause I noticed there were some days I would do that knowing that my eating window is sort of on. Mm -hmm. so, it's really hard. And it's been so new that I'm still figuring it out to be honest. Yeah. It's really hard for me to know how much to eat. And I get this question so many times a day, and I'm sure you do too, how much am I supposed to eat? And now I'm asking myself that same question, like, wait a sure. second, how much am I supposed to be eating here? Something needs to change, but I don't know what. Yeah. Um, I, it's easier doing breakfast and lunch, but I have been eating breakfast and then I'll pack a lunch. And next thing you know, it's like nine o'clock and I find myself reaching into my little fridge in my office and like mm -hmm. starting to nibble on my lunch already. Yeah. Um, it's a little harder for me to be honest because I don't get a really full feeling in my stomach. I'm never hungry, but I'm used to eating until I'm stuffed with one yeah. meal a day. I eat two one pound ribeyes for my one meal and I'm stuffed and I feel very full and the, you know, obese me really loves that. <laughs> so eating two meals a day has been a lot more emotionally difficult than, um, 
I mean, I figured it would be, but it's been a little harder than I expected. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to try to ride it out just for a little while longer just to see how my body reacts to it. Cause yeah. I do want to make sure that I'm doing what's best for my body and not just what's easiest for my emotions, you know? Yeah. I think, um, I think one reason that I switched to two meals a day or I'm trying to move to two meals a day, it's, um, I think there will be a transition, but over time it's really better for the gut. So if you just think of it from a digestive perp- uh, perspective, like, just putting down a whole bunch of food, it can. So Mm -hmm. there was one time where I did one meal a day and then I checked my blood and then it was, I think it was like very low diabetic numbers and that's fine, right? That's fine right after you eat a meal. But then even five hours later, it was still that high, which that is not normal. And so I think it's because it's way too much food in one sitting um, that it's just kind of sitting there. But I think if you break apart your meals, it's just, you know, it's just a steadier flow of food and then it's just better yeah. for like all functions, but it's just getting there emotionally, like you said, but, um, it takes, you, time. but yeah. I think, you know, I, I know you'll get there. I mean, look at your story. Like you'll, you'll be fine. Yeah. You like, might know more about this too, but I felt like when I was eating one meal a day, it was so much. And I know that, um, there's some research done on the PKD diet that if you're experiencing, you know, um, a bowel movement immediately after you eat, it's likely because you ate too much protein. And so I know that when I eat two pound, two, one pound ribeyes about an hour after I eat, I will go to the bathroom and have a bowel movement. And it's like every time, like clockwork, I could tell you it's going to happen. And so part of me enjoyed that because it was routine. It was structured in it. My, but it was almost like your stomach is releasing that bile. Then it's, you know, having right. a, a movement, which is such a great conversation. <laughs> but <laughs> now with moving to two meals a day, I definitely don't have that. And so it's different for me to not feel like that same structure sure. um, or that, you know, but it's, I'm still waiting to see what two meals a day is going to do for my digestion long term. Mm-hmm. Um, because I did feel in some ways it was nice having that cycle before. Um, and now I'm just maybe, but I don't necessarily know if that was a signal that it was unhealthy. Um, so I'm sure. kind of waiting to see what, how things balance out. Yeah. Um, when I am, so when I first started carnivore, yeah, I didn't have many bowel movements, but for the most part I've become regular. Yeah. This is a great conversation. Anyway, yeah, I but, know. Sorry guys. <laughs> but, uh, but I think, especially now, if you've only been doing it for two weeks, your body's going to be going through these changes and hormonal changes. So just give it time. And I think your body will regulate. So um, just trust your body. I think t- um, I recommend two meals a day more so now than, but obviously it's a balance of multiple things, right? So obviously it'll be very bio-individual, but just see how it is for a while. I know we all like routine and we like uh, we like mm-hmm. to sort of remove the guesswork, but it's so new. Two weeks is very, very right. new, especially after eating a certain way for a year. Um, you may experience some of those, like that hair loss and just anything because you're going to have hormonal changes. Um, right. But just give it a few months and then see how you feel. And then, I mean, you know, you can always go back to one meal a day and you know yeah. sort of how that is. So at least that's the beauty of this all. So, I mean, um, I definitely if see how if your gut feels even better on two meals a day and just um, just give yourself some grace. You're going to you're going through unknown territory right now. Yeah. Um, being in maintenance mode and then going to two meals a day and, you know, just trying to figure out, is it OK if sometimes um, you have meals outside of that one meal a day and that you can, you know, then be OK with it? And, you know, this it just might be a time that you're able to even be more comfortable in your skin, if that makes sense, even mentally, like, hey, I can go to a party. And even though it's not my window of eating, I can eat right. and I, I'm going to survive, you know, like having those uh, points of stress will also be able to show you how far you've come. Definitely. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you is, so I think in one of your Instagram posts, I saw that when you get really um, some of your old habits, um, when you're stressed, with work and stuff, you have these cravings. Um, do you still get sweet cravings at all on carnivore? It's not so much like a sweet craving as in I just ate a steak and now I want something sweet. It's more just the emotional reaction of, man, that was a stressful meeting. I had a really crazy day at work. The kids are going crazy. Uh, I would love to order, you know, get something. I'm not even going to name off foods because I don't want to trigger people. But, I, yeah. you know, it's it's then it's that it's wanting dessert. It's wanting those foods. It's knowing where you can get them and how you can get them. Or, sure. you know, my husband um, 
is a stay-at-home dad, but he works at night, like on the side. And, okay. and um, so I'm by myself, usually like Friday and Saturday nights, the kids are asleep and I'm sitting on the couch and I'm just kind of, it's more like where your mind wanders of like, wouldn't it be nice to be sitting on the couch eating something sweet yeah. right now? And so it's definitely not a physical craving. It's more mm -hmm. just the emotional or the boredom or where your mind drifts to when you're dreaming. <laughs> and it's interesting. Um, it could also be habit. So yeah, uh, oh yeah. one thing I, you know, like one thing I noticed for me was when the kids, same thing with you. So like when the kids were down and then, you know, husband was away, it's like, finally it's my time. And then my time was always paired with some other stuff. Right. Especially right. when I would be like sneaking with food and all that stuff and the whole binge and purge stuff. Um, and so I noticed that like initially it would be, oh, I'm by myself. Well, this was the time I would do that. And it's sort of kind of like my own thing, but it's, if you continuously break that habit, it gets easier. But for you in those moments, like what has like, sort of how do you kind of ride that wave if you have that urgency or that need or want to do it from even from a stress not like from a physical perspective but mm -hmm. from your emotional like how have you been managing that it's hard i try to you know i try to talk myself out of it um i do talk myself out of it a lot and i just mm -hmm. tell myself that like it's not going to help it's not going to work it's like i try to distract myself sometimes um I talk to my husband about it. I let him know, like, this, I'm really struggling right now. I'm really having a hard time right now. I, you know, I need your support right now. And he's been really great with that. I try to, you know, I have some podcasts on hand um, or just listen to a podcast or watch a YouTube video, something that's going to help get my mind off of it or give me some strength, something that right. would, you know, talk about emotional eating and how to overcome it. Um, or even just like an informational podcast in general, like something that I could, get my mind off of it um, oh gotcha okay but really it's just telling myself that like you will regret it you will regret it you will regret yeah. it it's not worth it's not worth yeah. it. it's not worth it yeah you know how this story ends kind of thing right yeah 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 um so i i also know from from your stories and stuff that you travel a lot for work so mm -hmm. i used to travel a lot for work as well um how do you manage that stress and then how do you um eat carnivore on the go I think without fasting, it would be impossible. Um, okay. You know, I go to, there's times when I'll fly out early in the morning. Mm -hmm. I go to our corporate office and they do a catered breakfast, a catered lunch, and then you have a work event for dinner at night. And sure. so there are times when you are being fed the entire day and none of that is in your control. And it's a lot of, you know, taco bars and pizza bars and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, there are other times when I travel and I'm by myself, which does make it, at that point, it's very easy. I know where to get a plain burger patty and how much it is and how many ounces it is. Any state that I go to, I can tell you the price and the ounces and what they cook it in. Sure, sure. Um, and a lot of that is just calling ahead. I've called ahead to every chain steakhouse, and I can tell you which steakhouses will sell you a steak a la carte and which ones won't. And That's smart. Um, so I make a lot of phone calls before where I'm going, if I'm by myself and plan ahead and figure out what I want to do. When I am with a group, it's, mm -hmm. it makes it easier if I'm fasting, you know, I'll sit down and I'll have a, in the group meeting and I can hang out and, and be that and be there, but I don't need to eat. And usually fasting is the easiest way to get through it. Sure. Um, I do tend to like know what they're serving ahead of time and try to think about if I could eat anything that's there. If they're having a taco bar, maybe that some of the meat would be fine. And so for me, a lot of it is preparation. I make a lot of phone calls before I go to one of these events. And um, I do a lot of things to plan ahead. But worst case scenario, like, for instance, they did like a catered bagel, typical muffin corporate breakfast, um, like a pizza salad bar for lunch. And then for dinner, we went to like a bowling place for like a team building event. On the way between the office and the team building event, I drove through uh, a fast food place and I got a big stack of patties and just ate them in the car on the way to the event. And so all three places that we went that day, I didn't need anything, um, but I was still able to get something to eat, you know, if I needed it. That's great. So um, I mean, what I'm hearing from you is to plan ahead, which is smart. You know, I think that's the way yeah. to mitigate being in situations where you feel like, oh, well, I'm hungry though, so I have to eat something, mm -hmm. right? So. That's smart. Um, how have you, like another question I get is, well, how do you tell people that don't know about carnivore and, you know, and that, that don't really diet? Like, how do you tell them about your diet? So like, how have you told your like coworkers about your, um, you know, the way you eat? 
So the ones that I'm around every day, like lunch is a big deal around here. And so they all know, and it's a joke and I, I'll grill a bunch of tomorrow. I'm going to grill a bunch of ribeyes for the team at work. And okay. you know, they all, they all understand that. Um, okay. I think that I honestly don't bring it up to people that sure. are outside of my kind of inner circle, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I don't need to go <laughs> the, the, you know, our VPs in town, I'm not going to make that announcement or anytime. Yeah that I'm in a meeting with a lot of mixed company, I usually just don't eat and don't really mention too much about it. Um, sure. But I mean, by this point, especially with, you know, social media and everything, yeah. this thing, I'm pr pretty well known for being the carnivore <laughs> at work. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of people think I'm crazy, but I also am surprised at how many people that I work with that have actually started researching it themselves and That's started awesome. doing, doing it on their own. And there's some people that I work with who just, out of nowhere came up to me and said, Hey, I've been doing carnivore for 30 days. It's been amazing. I've healed this issue. I've healed this issue. I've, I've lost weight. I'm my depression is uh, healing. You know, I've healed all these things and um, they're kind of seeing that. So I do also work with some vegans and we yeah. uh, have, have some fun with that. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that I, I usually encourage people to don't talk about it. Like I'm somebody yeah. who's I'm the same. Worked, worked in the same place for a really long time. And I'm kind of, um, known for being a little odd, but, um, it's, it's actually very easy to not talk about. Yeah. Um, most of the time, if you're at a normal job, most people aren't even going to notice what you're eating. I, right. you could very easily fast when you're at work. Um, or with keto being what it is, everybody just sees you eating a plain burger patty and assumes you're keto and you don't right. even have to yeah. bring attention to it. It's not worth it most of the time. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, um, unless people ask, I mean, you know, you could just walk the talk and then show your yeah. healing and then they can try it. But in general, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a reason why you need to announce to everyone that you're, you know, just eating meat. But I mean, and when people are like, oh, you know, I noticed, like for me, it's like, oh, I noticed you're, you know, you don't seem as down or that type of thing. Then I'll say, yeah, I think my diet has really, really helped with that. Um, yeah. So that makes sense. Um, in terms of your family, so, uh, so my husband is not carnivore and, and I would love for him to be, but he's not, but you know, his, you know, he's really, he's pretty thin. His markers are good. So for now he's more like paleo ish. Um, and you know, he believes in me, but he just feels like I don't need to be, and he's also a moderator. So that's another reason why he yeah. doesn't be a carnivore. But I think, you know, if his marker said otherwise, he would, he f firmly believes in it especially because I talk his ear off about nutrition. <laughs> but um, so, so your kids, like, how do you feed them? Uh, what, since both of you guys are, you know, meat eaters, like, do you guys have other foods in the house? Like, how does that work? So we slowly, we've kind of slower transitioned them, but pretty quickly, um, you know, we cut out, we started with baby led weaning, which if you don't, you know, I'm sure well, you know what that is. Baby led weaning. Oh, you know, oh, baby oh, okay. led weaning yeah, yeah. is. So like yeah, for your my kids. Okay. Yeah. So if the, you know, we gave them whole foods from the time they were born. And like, I have a picture of my daughter at like 10 months old, sucking on a chicken leg and yeah. like, you know, pieces of steak. And so those are things that I knew. And, and over time, I think as we were sick and tired and heavy and, you know, exhausted, we went to a little bit more of the chicken nuggets and some other of the cereals, sure. cereals for breakfast. But so we pretty quickly knew that that's not the way we wanted to feed them and cut out a lot of the processed foods and um, right away. And over time, we've just been a little more researching and selective about what we do feed them. Okay. Um, so we focus mostly on cutting out grains and sugars and seed oils. You know, I, I pack my daughter's lunch for school every day and send a snack for her. Okay. Um, but we, they eat meat we prioritize they eat three meals a day and no snacks. Like we're okay. very big yeah. on the fact that they don't need snacks. And my son will eat chicken breast or a burger, you know, mm -hmm. um, or something like that, a sausage if he's hungry. But if he just had a snack two hours before, there's no way you're going to get him to eat yes. a piece of meat. <laughs> so um, we focus on, we spent so many years saying like, eat your broccoli, eat your broccoli. And now it's like, okay, well eat your meat first and then you can have broccoli if you want it. Right. <laughs> um, right. So we focus on, they eat a lot of eggs, a lot of burger patties, um, some like grass fed, all beef sausages, um, mm -hmm. and some chicken. Uh, my daughter will eat steak endlessly, but my son refuses to touch it. Oh, really? Okay. Um, 
but then they do eat other things. We don't really focus on macros. Like I wouldn't even call them keto kids or anything, but they, yeah. cause they'll eat like sweet potatoes sometimes. Um, we do, they eat a lot of vegetables kind of just because they like it. Um, mm -hmm. and that's what they ask for. So they'll eat zucchini and broccoli and, um, a few things like that. Sure. Cheese, they eat some cheese. Uh, but we try to focus on, they eat macadamia nuts and I know we used to be big on like almonds, but now we've cut out all of those. Yeah. Um, and all the almond flours. So we'll make pancakes with like eggs and coconut flour instead, but they're pretty, um, they're pretty basic. You know, we send snacks to school for them, but they do go to church on Sundays and then they get served a snack at church while they're there. And that's, we don't, that's not one of those things that we don't really pick that battle as much. It's like yeah. a little handful of Cheerios or goldfish and I'm not thrilled about it, but it's, it is what it is, I guess. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's not, it's not every day at school. It's right. more occasionally. Yeah. And I think that's the right approach. I mean, at, at least that's how I do it. Um, I think yeah. it's balanced. So you don't want your kids to feel, because I know some moms will be like, no, my kids cannot eat that and they'll bring other snacks. Right. But you're also isolating your child. And so like, what does that mean from a psychological perspective, right? Like yep. when you're young, you don't want to be the only outsider and always the only outsider. So right. um, yeah, I think it's balanced. So I think that's good. I think that at church um, to feel part of the community, which is huge, right? Like mm -hmm. um, I think it's okay. And it, plus they're little, like, I mean, you know, like yeah. I've tuned in another video about hormesis and stuff. And I mean, our kids are not as metabolically damaged as us. As, yeah. So as long as they're eating, you know, proper meat and like nutrient dense foods, as you share, I think, I think it's fine to have a little bit of bad stuff in their diet. Like they didn't eat decades of it. Like we did. Right. So I think they're, and that's, I love that video that you made about your kids where oh, you talked about that. Yeah. And somebody, I kind of referenced it the other day, somebody messaged me, they saw my kids eating zucchini and, um, Oh, it's like a, something else, like like a macadamia or something. And they, or, oh, I had like, they had a tablespoon of peanut butter. Um, okay. And so they were saying, aren't you concerned about the lectins and the, you know, the toxins and the zucchini? And I was like, they eat a tablespoon of peanut butter like twice a week and yeah. it's cold zucchini, like they're fine. And I even used the term that you use of like, they're not, they don't have this years of metabolic damage like right. I had. Exactly. Um, and so if they go to a friend's birthday party, they'll eat, you know, what they're mm -hmm. served. But, you know, I, I'm I'm not going to let them eat a school lunch every single day. So for yes. me, it's more about how they are most of the time and then yes. learning about how do those foods make them feel. If they go to a birthday party and eat pizza and cake, they come home and have a tummy ache. We talk about, yeah. hey, how does that, you know, how does that make you feel? And, and yeah, no. And they, I mean, we really use the terms, like we try not to talk about weight with them. And that's yeah. been a very hard thing over the last 18 months, but you know, they know that mommy and daddy used to eat too much sugar and that made them very sick. And when they look at old pictures of me, you know, that are around our house, like hanging on the wall, you know, my daughter will say, Hey mom, that was when you used to eat too much sugar. You know, yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember that, but you used to eat too much sugar back then. Right. Right. And then she, she always jokes like when I grow up, I'm not gonna eat any sugar ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so. yeah yeah no that's that's and I think that's the right thing I mean I yeah I mean sometimes my kid will randomly get a little bit of eczema or a little like bump on their skin I'm like yep th that's the sugar you ate or that's the yes you know processed noodle you ate that day with dad or you know whatever it is and so my son yeah. has is like a little redhead pale he has such sensitive skin and such <laughs> skin issues and like in the summertime, especially, you know, wearing shorts, like his skin, like, and it, I can tell a difference in their behavior. And then also his skin yes. specifically when he's, you know, when they're eating clean. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, that's how I try to show it. Cause I try not to, I mean, just coming from disordered eating, the last thing I want my kids to do is this is good food. This is bad food, right? Yeah. This is, um, I, I say always like this has less nutrition than this other food and it's right. just educating them so that hopefully as they grow older, they make the right decisions. And and it's not just you can only eat meat and then when they're older, they go to town with all the bad food. So, you right. know, I think I think your approach is great. Um, you know, as we're wrapping up this uh, conversation, um, what advice would you give to anyone that uh, wants to start carnivore? Um, I know one question that a lot of people get is or have is. Um, you know, I'm not seeing the benefits. So like, is this working? You know, do like a uh, one question I forgot to ask you is like, 
did you count calories or, you know, how did you know how much to eat? Like, what would you say to those questions? I think a lot of it is, is trial and error, to be honest. And it's, you know, eat as much for me, it started with, I knew I could do one meal a day. And so I ate as much as I could in that one meal. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of waited to see when I got hungry again. And if I got hungry 12 hours later, then maybe I didn't eat enough um, you know, fat or didn't eat enough yes. in general during that meal. And I could tell a big difference on days when I like exercised really, you know, did a lifting workout versus mm -hmm. was sedentary. And sure. I knew I needed to eat more on those days. And so sure. for me, I never really counted calories or anything. I just, it was all trial and error. And even now as I'm switching to two meals, sure, you have to give it time. I mean, I honestly have gained a few pounds in the last two weeks. And I think it's because I'm still learning how much am I supposed to eat now okay. that I'm doing two meals and it's, it could be easy for me to overeat. It's just my weight is fluctuating. My body's getting used to not having a 24 hour window. It doesn't sure. mean that it's wrong. I think until you give anything at least 30 days, yes. you can't really make a determination if it's working or not for you. There's so much adaptation and adjustment that your body has to go through. Mm -hmm. So really anything, I mean, even more than 30 days is great, but most people aren't willing to commit to 60 days of something if they're, if they're nervous. So okay. saying at least 30 days before you you know, you can't jump ship four days in because you've gained two pounds. Right. And right. and expect that to, you know, if you want to do that, then you need to go find a juice cleanse if you're just looking to lose a quick 10 pounds or something else. But right. Right. Um, you know, it does take a little time. And, I, and for me, I know there are people who will give you macros out there. But for me, it's really just been trial and error of like, how much do I need to eat so I feel good, but then don't eat too much that I'm not getting the results that I want or I'm not as healthy as I need to be. Yeah, so I'm the same boat as you two. Um, I don't, so I get all the time how much, you know, how many calories should I eat, how much protein to fat. And I'm always like, listen to your body. I mean, everyone's different. We're, I mean, we all look different. Our skin color is different. I mean, our mm -hmm. genetics are different. And so we need to heal, like heal our gut, heal our body first before just considering weight loss, right? Like right. everyone will lose weight on any diet if you cut your calories enough. But you'll pay for it in the long run. Right. And so I'm not a proponent really of uh, calorie counting until you're healed, until, you know, all these other things happen first. Um, so, yeah, I think that's great. I think, uh, and I love that, you know, you didn't count calories, yet you do have a successful weight loss story. And, you know, you're able to, you know, sort of be like this beacon of um, support for others out there that show like, okay, I guess I don't have to count calories and I could lose weight and be healthier and do carnivore and do it successfully. So and for uh, me, I've the easiest, it's the easiest diet, right, or way of eating that I've ever done before. And all the things, it's the least meal prep, it's the least complicated, yes. it's the, and for somebody who's a, works a full time job, and is a full time mom and tries to have a life outside of this too with my family, then it makes it um, the easiest way to that just give it's so much more simple than anything else that you could try and obviously is more effective. Yes, I completely agree. <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much for joining me. Um, where can people find you and what are you up to? And just I mean, anything you want to share, please do. Yeah, I think the best place if for day to day life is Instagram. Um, and it's just at Laura East Bath. And um, that was just where I post in stories every day, kind of what I'm eating, what we're doing, and how things are going. And I also have a, a YouTube channel, which is the same thing, uh, Laura Spath. And there's a good video in there that just, I mean, talks about some of the things we did here of my introduction, a timeline of the weight loss, and then kind of my take on some food addiction and um, things like that, day-to-day -day life. Yeah, and I'll, I'll share all of that in my notes as well. Cool. Okay, well, thank you thank so much you. for joining me. This was fun, and, um, you know, I really... Um, yeah, like I said, uh, it's, um, you're an inspiration and I think, um, I just love that you're more natural and not, you know, calorie counting and just being regimented and, you know, even willing to say, Hey, I'm going to try like two meals a day from like the safe OMAD and, uh, move away from fasting. Cause I want to have the optimal health. And so I think, I think that's great. I think it's a great testimony and just, you know, thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for all you do. It's been really helpful to me. Oh, no, no problem. Okay, Thanks. I will talk to you later. Bye. Bye.
right guys, I hope that was helpful for you. I hope it was motivating for you to try the carnivore diet. And for those of you that already do the carnivore diet, that it helps you to keep and stay on track. All right guys, I will see you next Saturday. Until then, eat a lot of nutrient dense meats and foods and I will talk to you soon. Bye guys, take care. Thanks for listening to the Nutrition with Judy podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app so more listeners like you can find the show. If you want more practitioner care and support, head over to nutritionwithjudy.com slash groups so you can get more real talk about carnivore, the environment, and root cause healing. You can also find my content on Nutrition with Judy's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter and learn more about in-depth articles with infographics at nutritionwithjudy.com slash articles. You can find my two books, Carnivore Cure and the Complete Carnivore Diet for Beginners on carnivorecure.com and amazon.com. At the heart of Nutrition with Judy's practice, our mission lies with a deep, unwavering passion for service and community. We will continue to empower you to have the knowledge and tools to live a life nearly symptom-free because we firmly believe in healing and wellness for all.